Chapter 6 The Prophecy and the Dream Bryn was back at the castle that evening, bringing a delicious stew with dumplings. He had everyone in stitches as they ate with a story about the night Wesley the goat had eaten a hole in the seat of his trousers as he slept in the stable. Alfie smiled along, but he was still very bothered by the experience with the hare. He barely tasted the stew he was spooning into his mouth as he heard Robin questioning Oren on the pronunciation of some of the runic words in the books he had borrowed. Alfie couldn't even get through a couple of lines of the text in those books, but Robin was flying through them, and Madeline already seemed to be an expert in herbology and healing potions. Maybe Oren should have picked one of them to be his apprentice. Alfie was glad when everyone decided to go to bed straight after dinner. You're quiet tonight, said Robin as they climbed into their beds. Oren's so clever, isn't he? I'm learning so much from his books. What did he teach you today? Was it something to do with your magic? Mm, Just some stuff, mumbled Alfie. A little twinge of jealousy ran through him as he watched Robin light an oil lamp and settle back into his pillows with another of Oren's books. How could he lie there reading those as easily as if they were comics? I'm, I'm going to find something to read, he said sharply, jumping out of bed and hurrying from the room. He didn't really want a book. He just had to get away from Robin and his big, stupid brain. The flagstones under his feet seemed to cool his temper as he headed to the library, angry at himself for feeling envious of his cousin. The library and Orrin's study were dark. Alfie leafed through a few pages of a book on the druid's desk. It was full of Orrin's calligraphic writing, but the languages switched between Latin, French, and runes. Even the bits in English were hard enough for Alfie to understand. He sighed. He was learning to handle the magic, but wasn't sure he'd ever come close to learning everything else Orn wanted to teach him. Would the druid be angry if Alfie couldn't be the apprentice he had hoped for? Would he leave the castle to someone else instead? Alfie wandered back into the library, clapping his hands so the torches on the walls burst into flame. He flopped into one of the chairs by the fireplace and glared up at the fates. The three wooden women stared impassively over the spinning wheel on which they span the fate of mortals. Clotho, the youngest spinning the thread of life, her sister, Lachesis, measuring it to decide how long a person will live, and the old woman, Atropos, holding her scissors over the thread ready to cut a life short. Well, he asked them, you seem to have all these plans for me. Fancy actually telling me something about them, or are you just going to sit there gathering dust? It was nearly a year since the one and only time Alfie had heard the fates speak. He didn't expect a reply. So when the spinning wheel began to turn with a creak and a crack, all of his bravado disappeared. He gulped and clutched the arms of the chair as the voices of the face bypassed his ears to arrive directly in his head. 
He stops, he stares, we know he cares for family and friends. But for their souls a shadow comes through the night it wends. Death is roaming through these lands, its presence growing stronger. As we sing it searches wide, its master waits no longer. Does he wield the magic well? Or is he in its thrall? Will he choose to keep it safe? Or will he lose it all? Kin will stand close by his side. Their help he must enlist. Will he see what he should know? Four fingers make a fist. Though some foes have been vanquished, there will be many still. The magic must become his sword tempered by his will. Good will take up arms again, an age-old war to fight, but inner battles must be fought when magic lends its might. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) Boy. My bad. Sorry, kids. The third verse Alfie recognized. It had changed a little, but he had heard parts of it before. The first time the fate spoke to him, their prophecy had come true. After Merkel and Stitch had come, the elves, and that wasn't the end. He didn't dare to think about what else could follow. He had already experienced inner battles against the magic as it had begged to be used. He knew he would always be fighting those voices if he was to learn to use the magic. The earlier verses worried him even more. A shadow coming through the night? Death roaming the land? Doubt cast on his ability to weld the magic? He shivered and grabbed a torch from the wall. He didn't feel like walking back to bed in the darkness. Robin was already asleep, the book lying over his face. Alfie gently removed it and laid it on the nightstand before climbing into his own bed. He left the candles and torch lit to try to try to drive away the chills of the fate's words as he fell into a restless sleep. The wraith had wandered far, but was no closer to filling the purpose for which it had been torn from its grave. It had tried to return to the great sleep sinking into the soil of an ancient burial ground with the black land. But its master's command would not let it rest. It must keep searching. Rising from the comforting earth and up through the the heather, the wraith hovered in the center of a stone circle. It began to fade until it was almost lost in the inky night as it sent its wisp reaching out, sniffing, searching, feeling for it, for the magic. This time was different. Something in the land had changed. The vibration was faint, almost as if hidden or protected by something, but the wraith could sense it. The magic was back. It had been used recently, and though there was still a protection around it, traces lingered where it had last been used. The destination was clear at last. The wraith shuddered. 
with the effort of recalling its brothers and sisters. It needed more strength, more life. It must borrow from the living again. It would do this on the way. Turning towards Hexbridge, it began its journey. Alfie was wrenched from sleep by a chilling noise from the next bedroom. Someone was screaming. Robin was already up and running for the door. Alfie raced after him into the girl's room. Amy was sitting on her bed, hugging her knees. Her face was pale and her hair was plastered to her forehead with sweat. Madeline was filling a glass of water from the jug on the dresser and spilt half of it in her mad dash back to Amy. Amy took the water and gulped it down gratefully as Madeline stroked her hair. "'What's going on?' asked Alfie, looking swiftly around the room. He had never seen Amy look so shaken before. "'Was someone—has someone been in here? Are you ill?' She had a nightmare, said Madeline. Amy finished the water and took a deep, shuddered breath. It wasn't a nightmare. I, I don't know what it was. I wasn't myself. I was this thing made out of shadow and voices, all of them cold and frightened. I was out on the moors, searching for something. For what? Alfie asked. Amy shook her head. I, I'm not sure. I'd been looking for days, and then finally I knew where it was, here in Hexbridge. She shivered. When I woke up, I, I really felt as though I was still coming here. But that wasn't the worst part. I, I, it was cold and weak. It seemed to be drawn to life and warmth. It came to a tiny village and drifted from house to house, drawing black crosses on the doors with his finger. Each time I could feel more warmth rushing to it, as though it became a little bit more alive with each cross. When I passed the window of one of the houses, I could see why. She hugged her legs tighter as Madeline stroked her back. The villagers, they were frozen, eyes open, not quite dead, but it was like the life had just been sucked out of them. Alfie rubbed his arm as he came as it came up in goose pimples when he remembered the words of the fate death is roaming through these lands its presence growing stronger as we sing it searches why this master waits no longer don't worry said robin i'm sure it's just a dream maybe it was a side effect of the potion orin gave us oh i wish i could believe that said amy but it felt real, too real. Alfie wasn't used to seeing Amy frightened. The dream had really affected her. Come on, he said, let's go tell Orrin about it. The druid was out in the courtyard garden milking the cow while, while Wesley chewed one of the corners of his tunic. Bryn was chopping wood nearby, hefting large logs around as though they were matchsticks. The woodsman seemed amused by the girl's pajamas and the boy's dressing gowns. And here I was, thinking that those long pointed shoes and cod pieces of nobles wear were as strange as fashion could get. He chuckled to himself and went back to chopping wood. Orrin stopped milking and listened intently to Amy's story. The hairs in the back of Alfie's neck prickled as he saw how seriously the druid seemed to be taking the dream. This town he said as, he, as she finished. Do you know its name? Amy shook her head. 
It was just about five wooden houses around a crossroads. There was a river nearby, if that helps. Hmm, that could be one of many towns, said Orin, pulling at his beard. Can you tell me anything else? Amy bit her lip, as she thought. There was a bigger town just before it. It had a monastery, a dairy, and farm animals. Lots of farm animals. I could feel them nearby, but it wasn't interested then. In them, just the people. Bryn had stopped chopping wood. Hmm, sounds like Middleswick, about 13 miles south of here. I thought so too, said Orth. You're saying Amy dreamt about a real town, said Robin. How is that possible? She doesn't know the towns around Hexbridge, especially not in medieval times. My, my dream, it, 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 it wasn't real, was it? Asked Amy. Mm, perhaps not, said Orin. But the most vivid of dreams should never be ignored. The dream isn't all, said Alfie. The fates spoke to me again last night. Amy and the twins stared as, she, as he told the druid what they had said about death roaming the land. Orin's brow furrowed as he listened. He turned to the woodsman. Bryn? Um, right, ahead, right ahead of you, Orin. I'll take Betsy and check the hamlets around Middleswick. I'll be back by dusk. Thank you, said Orin, as Bryn hurried away to saddle up his horse. Now then, said the druid looking down at their four worried faces. Bryn will look into it. In the meantime, there's no point worrying and wondering when there's work to be done. The druid handed out chores. Robin finished milking the cows while Amy and Alfie collected eggs and fed the chickens and Madeline raked out the stable. Alfie was very hungry for breakfast by the time they had finished. They all trooped into the kitchen in their dirty pajamas. Ashford had stepped out of holiday mode to cook up scrambled eggs served on toasted rye bread. He had even brewed up a very strong pot of tea from a bag of black leaves that he had smuggled into the past with them. I know it won't be available for 200 years yet, he said as he stirred a large spoon of honey into Amy's cup, but if that doesn't make you feel better, nothing will. Thanks, Ash, said Amy. She took a sip and flashed him a smile. Alfie thought... She looked a lot more like her usual self after helping Orn out with the chores. The druid always seemed to know how to make things better. Right then, said Orn, as they finished their eggs and washed their plates in the stone sink. Time to get dressed so we can get back to lessons. Hold on, he shouted after them as they all dashed for the stairs. You'll need your new clothes. They followed the druid into the great hall. On the table were bundles containing tunics, leggings, cloaks, and jerkins. Madeline's bundle was a little different. Oh, no! No way! She cried, holding up a long woolen dress and a wimple. How come I get these and Amy gets trousers? Alfie knew it was more than his life was worth to let out a laugh that was building inside him. Orin had gone a little pink under his beard. Uh, Rin fetched me them from a seamstress in the village this morning. Uh, here, uh, well, uh, hmm, that is to say he thought with Amy's short hair and build, she would be bested suited uh, to boys' clothes. Fine by me, said Amy, holding her trousers against her waist for size. Her unease at her dream seemed to have disappeared next to Madeline's horrified expression as she unwrapped a bodice. 
Yeah, it's just for traveling outside the castle, said Orin quickly. You may wear your own garments within the walls. It's a good job we took that potion, growled Madeline, because I'm thinking um, about my wardrobe back at home pretty hard right about now. Half an hour later, they were all showered and dressed and seated in Orin's study, ready to continue their lessons. Everyone except Madeline had been keen to try their new clothes. Alfie liked his linen shirt and waistcoat, but the coarse trousers had him wanting to scratch his legs constantly. However uncomfortable he felt in the trousers, he had to admit that it didn't come close to Madeline's discomfort. Amy had talked her into wearing the long gown with a lace-up bodice and skirt over the top. She was squirming around and pulling at it as if someone had emptied a bucket of spiders over her. In fact, Alfie thought she'd probably be much happier wearing a bucket of spiders. Uh, sorry, Mads, said Amy, making a frame with her fingers and squinting through one eye as though looking through a camera lens. But this mental pick is a keeper. She made a click noise just as Madeline made a rude gesture at her. Alfie was glad that Orrin didn't ask him to experiment with the magic again that day. The morning was spent identifying and learning the uses for many of the herbs and strange ingredients stored in the hundreds of jars and the shelves that lined the walls of the study. After her amazing display of knowledge the day before, Alfie was hardly surprised that Madeline was way ahead of them in his task as she examined and sniffed jar after jar, announcing their contents. Yarrow, good for protection, fever, stomach problems. Myrrh, calming scent, good for bad breath, toothache, and lotion for cuts. Is this mandrake? She was holding a root that Alfie looked, that Alfie thought looked almost like a little figure with arms and legs. I don't know much about its uses, but Granny said people believed it screamed when it was pulled up, and anyone who heard it died. She said that in the olden days, people used to stay at a distance and get their dogs to pull them up. Oh, how nice of them! Snarled Amy. Oh, uh, that's a more advanced herb than we can leave until later, said Orin, as he popped it back on the shelf. Madeline, uh, you suggested a recipe for calming brew to me yesterday. Why don't you make up a drought of it for Amy while I get the others up to speed with their herbology? I'm sure she'd appreciate it after her shock this morning. Yeah, that'd be great, Mads, said Amy. Everyone heaved a sigh of relief as Madeline hurried off to light the fire and gather the ingredients for the drink. Alfie gave the druid a grateful smile. He seemed to have noticed that the others had all gone quiet as Madeline reeled off everything she knew about herbs. Orrin was a good teacher and Alfie found it a bit easier to learn the names and uses of the herbs without Madeline leaping in first with every answer. Robin seemed desperate to show he knew just as much as his sister and got very frustrated when he kept giving the wrong answers. The afternoon lessons were much easier for Robin, although Alfie found them to be his worst yet. Orrin gave them a lesson on deciphering the runes and code words he used in his writings. Robin had already been working hard on understanding these and had many questions for Orrin as they worked their way through a protection spell. Amy seemed quite back to her usual self after the brew Madeline had made for her, but it had done nothing to spark her interest in the lessons. Alfie watched her as she idly braided a colorful shoelace into her hair and wished that he could feel so relaxed about Orne's lesson. 
Why are we learning a protection spell? asked Madeline. If that thing Amy dreamed about is real, shouldn't we be learning how to fight it? Attack is not the best form of defense, said the druid. Protecting yourself and those you care about is by far the most useful skill anyone can learn and should always be the first lesson. I will teach you many forms of defense over the course of your stay here, from protecting yourselves physically to protecting and strengthening your own minds. Hey, look, I think Robin did it, said Amy. Alfie looked at Robin, who was reciting the words from the page, his brow furrowed as he worked through the difficult words and symbols. Around him flowed fine golden strands in the shape of a protective bubble. The second Robin realized everyone was staring at him, he began to stumble over the words and the golden strands evaporated. Brilliant, cried Orrin, clasping Robin's upper arms and shaking him proudly. Fantastic work, you'll, ha ha, we'll make druids of you all yet. Maybe Robin and Madeline, thought Alfie, but he was starting to doubt he would ever come close to them. At least Amy wasn't making him look bad. She hadn't engaged with Orrin's lessons at all. He tried his best as the afternoon dragged on, but the only one of them that managed to get anywhere with the spell was Robin. He even managed to hold their protective bubble for a few seconds as the others pelted it with scrunched up paper and watched it bounce off. Hey, cried Robin, the bubble disappearing as a pebble penetrated it and bounced off his chest. Who's throwing stones? (laughs) Sorry grinned Madeline. Just testing. At least you'll be safe from paper airplane attacks. Ashford was coming in from the courtyard with his paints and a canvas as they went down for dinner. Wow, that's amazing, said Alfie, as they all looked at the finished painting of the courtyard garden. Are you going to bring it back for Emily? Maybe, grinned Ashford. Or maybe I'll leave it here to age for 600 years and then sell it as an old masterpiece. I thought you were a reformed character, said Alfie. Hmm, well, there's no such thing as being too honest, grinned Ashford. That's not a habit I want to fall into. They all helped to pull together a meal consisting of fresh tomatoes and salad leaves from the garden. The salad was very tasty due to all the various herbs and edible flowers that went into it. Alfie wouldn't ever have thought of putting flowers into a salad, but the violets, rose petals, and strawberries made it look as good as it tasted. Orin had made fresh bread and fried fish, and they all dived for it the second he placed the plates on the table. Ha ha ha! Nothing like knowledge to help you work up an appetite, laughed the druid. Towards the end of the meal, a clattering of hooves in the courtyard marked Bryn's return. Amy went out to meet him and was already deep in conversation with him by the time Alfie and the others followed. Orin, said Bryn, his eyes unusually serious. He nodded toward the stable, and the druid and Ashford followed him over to the outbuilding, where they tended to Betsy deep in hushed conversation as the twins and Amy clustered around Alfie. Bryn, Bryn found the place I dreamt about, said Amy. There were crosses on the doors of the houses, and everyone inside was ill, unable to move or speak. It was just as I saw it. She shook her head, as if to shake out the mental images. Alfie, my try, my dream, it was real. What do you think it means? 
Alfie didn't even know how to start making sense of it all. Amy had seen what had happened to the villagers as it actually happened. Maybe Orin knows what it means? But they didn't have time to ask him. As soon as he had finished talking to Bren, he gave Madeline a list of herbs to collect in the garden and hurried upstairs to gather together equipment from his study. The black crosses, said Robin, as they sat on the bench around the oak, watching Madeline carefully cutting and packing the herbs Orin had requested. That's what they drew on doors to mark that the people inside had the black death. You think they've got the plague? cried Alfie remembering the gruesome illustrations of victims of the disease in their hex, history hex, textbooks. He hadn't even stopped to consider the diseases that had been around in the Middle Ages when he had agreed to travel there. No, it's not the plague, said Amy. I told you, the thing in my dream drew the crosses. It was like it was marking where it had been. The thing you saw, what was it? asked Madeline. Amy shook her head. I don't know. I don't think I want to know. 